The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Luke chapter 22, and uh, we'll look at the first verse through the 19th verse. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover, and the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And as they were glad and covenanted to give him money, and he promised and sought opportunity to betray him and them the absence of the multitude. We're about to look at the, the Last Supper, if you would, the place where we understand later in the church uh, they commemorated this time, they remembered this time. Paul instructed the church at Corinth in chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 about continuing this practice as God ordered that. And we see here in this chapter, before this Last Supper, uh, there was preparation that was going on. This uh, place was being prepared, and notice these religious leaders were preparing uh, uh, to uh, betray the Lord, to, to arrest Him. They were preparing to, uh, to falsely accuse Him, and uh, these men uh, were about to commit perhaps the greatest crime of all, to, uh, to commit to murder uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, they were preparing for that. Verse number 7, the Bible says, Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare us the Passover that he may eat. So there was uh, Jesus' enemies making preparations, preparing to arrest him, preparing to, uh, preparing to kill him, uh, to accuse him, and, and to, uh, to uh, hold a court against him. And Jesus also making preparation, but notice Jesus making preparation here uh, for the Passover. And they said unto him, uh, verse number 9, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye entered, are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And ye shall say unto the good men of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished there, make ready. And they went and found, as he had said unto them, and they made ready or prepared uh, the Passover. And so uh, Jesus and his disciples were making preparations as well. And let me say this tonight as we're going to observe the Lord's table together. I hope you've made preparation in your heart. Uh, we understand that there's a lot of preparation for a lot of other things. How many of you nervous tonight because you probably could have prepared better for Christmas? And how many know... Regardless of your lack of preparation, it's coming. And it's going to come. It's, it's on an appointed time. And, you know, sometimes we understand that there's an appointed time for things to happen. And whether we know about the appointments or not, can I say this tonight? God knows about the appointments of your life. God says it's appointed unto man once to die and after this to judgment. And, you know, what I say tonight, I hope that you're prepared for that. I hope that you're ready for that. I hope that you're ready to stand before the Lord and you're ready to give an account. Uh, can I say this tonight as a believer, one of the greatest things I rejoice in is that I'm never going to stand before God and be judged for my sins. I'm not going to answer for one 
single sin that I've committed. You know why? Because Jesus paid for them all. He paid for them all. There's not going to be for Christians, this is your life and here's all the mistakes you made and here's all the things that you've done that were wrong. It's going to be, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You're a child of God and you're going to be able to enter in. Aren't you glad for that? But there's another preparation that we have as as Christians, don't we? It's preparation for the great white throne. Not the great white throne, but rather the judgment seat of Christ. If you're saved tonight, you don't have to stand at that great white throne judgment, but you will stand at the judgment seat of Christ to be judged for how you stewarded your life for God. Let me ask you a question. Are you prepared for that? Are you ready for that? None of us, I would think, would be so prideful or so boastful to say that we think that we're ready. But I hope that when we stand before the Lord, we hear well done. How many want to hear that from the Lord's lips? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And I hope that you are using and stewarding your life in preparation for that day. Jesus was preparing. The disciples were preparing. His enemies were preparing. Everybody's making preparation uh, for something. I was driving on the way over here today and I was noticing. Anybody notice a little bit more crazy driving during these times? People so driven about where they need to go, what they need to get. And in, the land, in this time of holly jolly, you know, uh, times, uh, people in such a, a rush and care uh, that they don't care about who they run over in the process. And uh, can I say this as Christians, as we prepare for His coming, His second coming, uh, let's uh, take heed to those around us. Let's love them and care for them. Let's not be so busy. Come on, you ever get weary in well-doing? Get a little tired? Some of you, I'm looking at you, you're weary and well-doing right now. It's good that I'm in church, but boy, I'm wiped out. All right, so you're a little weary and well-doing in the flesh. How many know the spirit's willing, the flesh is weak? Especially when the building's warm and the seats are padded, all right? So we understand that the spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. And uh, how many know tonight that it's, uh, you know, it's only 5.30? Let me just share that with you a little bit. Uh, just wake us up a little. It's only 5.30. I know that maybe some of you passed your bedtime. You had dinner at 3 and, you know, prepare for bed. And, you know, so there was a, a preparation. And then we have, uh, look at verse number 14 with me. And when the hour was come, the time had arrived, he sat down in the 12 apostles with him, and he said unto them, With desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. There was a a revelation here. Jesus, he did this by what he said and by what he did. You know, he was revealing to uh, these disciples something that was deeper, something that was uh, more of a mystery to them at the time and something that he was going to show them. As they were celebrating the Passover, he was about to become the Lamb. As they're celebrating, remembering that Passover and having that Passover meal, Jesus was becoming what John the Baptist foretold. The Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. Literally, the Lamb was at the table. It was about to be slain. He was about to suffer. The blood was about to be applied, if you would. The, the, uh, the judgment was about to uh, be poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says here that He 
rose, he girded himself with a towel, he washed the disciples' feet, he washed Judas' feet. And then later that evening, the twelve would argue over which one of them was the greatest. Can you imagine at a time like this, if you're a parent, you know what this is like. You uh, talk to your kids, how can you argue at a time like this? How can you be so insensitive at a time like this? How can you be so disconnected at a time like this? Boy, that's us, isn't it? At a time like this, an important time, how can we be so disconnected? How can we be so complacent? How can we be so careless at a time like this? I'm reminded of how uh, Paul would speak to the church at Corinth, and he would say to them, how can you be so careless at a time like this? How can, how can you be so complacent at a time? How can you be so selfish at a time like this? A time where we are supposed to come together to remember what Christ has done. All we can think about is what we could be doing now. What we could be doing with our time and how we could be using it to leverage for ourselves and our busy schedules and all the things that we have to do. I'll share something with you. One day, you're not going to care about all that stuff you're worried about right now. One day, it's not going to be a thought. One day, it may be a regret that you wasted the time that was most important on thoughts and worries and cares that don't even matter. Sometimes, uh, we worry about things that just... Anybody ever change a situation by the amount of worry you put into it? You don't. It doesn't change anything. It just is a waste of time. And sometimes what we do is we miss being in the moments that God is having to us enjoy. You know what tonight we can determine to do as a church? We can make a memory tonight. We can make a memory tonight. Or we can just kind of just overlook it. And we can go through the motions tonight. I would rather make a memory tonight than go through the motions tonight. But the truth is, whether or not we make a memory or go through the motions is not entirely up to me tonight. It's up to you. It's up to you. Because we have this appointed time that God's given us, and we've called the church together, and we've come, and we're here. We sang, and we're opening God's Word together, and we're about to observe the Lord's table. We can just go through the motions, or we can make a memory. Which one do you want to do tonight? I would say that it would be good for us to do this in remembrance of Him, to make a memory a memory in our minds to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Does not God deserve to be in all of your thoughts? In all of your thoughts. But yet we disregard Him so often. Jesus here, He showed them what He said and what He did. He showed the presence of the betrayer that was there and He showed the disciples their own worldliness and their own selfishness. He revealed Peter's denial. You know, it's interesting that this word of warning to Peter followed the dispute over who was the greatest. Peter is thinking somehow that he is never going to, never going to fall. You know, these moments uh, are, are times of warning for us, aren't they? He says to us that we would take heed to ourselves, that we would examine ourselves. Isn't that what he tells us to do before we do this? To examine ourselves. If you shut your brain off tonight and just let me do all the work, you're not examining yourself. 
if, if you don't allow the Word of God to shed some light, the Spirit of God to bring some conviction, how many know that tonight we could shut His voice off? We could, we could, we could resist Him. We could throw cold water on. We could keep Him from, if you would, the work that He wants to do in our hearts. This could be some kind of ritual that you've seen in other places and religions that they just kind of take the cup and drink and take the, you know, take the, take the, the, the wafer and, and it's all done. But isn't it deeper than that? Isn't it more important than that? Doesn't it serve a greater purpose than that? Jesus was asking the disciples that were there to examine themselves. Look at you. You're selfish and you're arguing and you're arguing amongst yourselves. Look at you. You're about to deny me. You're about to have your greatest fall if you just listen to me, if you just examine yourself, if you just humble yourself. A lot of times uh, we hear his word, but we don't believe his word. Peter heard the word, but he didn't believe the word. Isn't that when we deceive ourselves first? When we're hearers, but not believers? You see, the Bible says doers. Well, I would submit to you, you will not do what you don't believe. If you believe something, it's going to affect your actions, your behaviors, your feelings are going to change into actions and motions. God is going to cause what you believe to take root in your life and change you. You know, today God's people are aliens in enemy territory, aren't we? Don't we need this? Don't we need this, this time? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. That's going to be our text for where we observe the Lord's table tonight. And I want you to look at this with me. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. Jesus has observed the Last Supper. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again. He appeared to them. He ascended. He gave His commission. The church was empowered at Pentecost. Began to flourish and spread. The book of Acts gives us tales of their missions and their their wonderful works through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a church that's planted, the church at Corinth. This Passover meal was drawing to a close and Jesus institutes the ordinance that the church calls the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, communion. And the Passover feast opened with the prayer of thanksgiving, the bitter herbs, the singing of psalms, They drank the second cup and began eating the lamb and the unleavened bread. And after drinking the third cup, they sang Psalm 115 to 118. And then the fourth cup was passed among them. And in that period of time, Jesus began to teach them about this. He said to them, take, eat, this is my body. This is my body which is broken for you. Look at uh, chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 
Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Verse 24. This do in remembrance of me. Let me say this tonight. We're not remembering someone who's dead. We're not remembering someone who's dead. We remember someone who's alive. Uh, He's more alive than we are tonight. We're living, waiting to die. And he's alive and we'll never perish, never die. We may taste physical death, but he's already tasted that death. Became the first fruits of those that slept and now is risen. And as he's risen, so we'll rise. As he's glorified, so we'll be glorified. And uh, Jesus broke a piece of the unleavened loaf. He gave thanks. He shared it with the disciples. He said, this is a representation of my body. We don't believe in transubstantiation. The Catholics believe that literally you're cannibalizing the body of the Lord Jesus Christ as it literally becomes his body. That's not what Jesus was trying to give us. He wasn't giving us a literal truth that this was his body. Clearly, it wasn't his body. It was bread. He's saying this is a symbol. This is a picture of my broken body. Because who is Jesus? The bread of life. I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. You know, if you have partaken of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have life. The Bible says Jesus Christ came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But in this process, he states the purpose for the supper. To do in remembrance of me. When we partake, we identify ourselves with his body and with his blood. Notice also, look at verse number 26. He says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. The purpose is to remember him, but the purpose is to also proclaim him. That he is coming back. He is returning. We look back to the cross, but forward to his coming. Does that give us hope tonight? Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And then the reminder to the church that we are to be united. When we share in the Lord's table, we're identifying with Christians everywhere and we're reminded to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Here we are, we're together. But you know what? We're united as a church. Every church that unites and does this, we're united with the church of the living God. But then the Bible tells us here that there's a physical preparation that needs to take place. Look at verse number 29. Verse 28, back up, verse 28. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Let me say this tonight. What makes us worthy of this practice tonight is the Lord Jesus Christ's sacrifice. We would be unworthy to partake if it was not for the Lord. He's made us righteous because he's clothed us in his righteousness. 
So there's a, there's a positional, if you would, admonition here. Make sure that you're a Christian. Make sure you're in the faith. Make sure you're a believer. I hope tonight that you know if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. I hope you're sure about that. I hope you're sure about your eternal destiny. Not because you had an experience in some service, but because you had an experience with God. That you heard the gospel and responded in faith. Put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question tonight, young and old. Do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you're saved? Are you sure that you're saved? I'm not trying to just put that out there tonight, because, but uh, as, a, as the pastor tonight, I'm obligated before we offer. Are you sure that you're saved? Do you know Christ? I'm not asking whether you pray to prayer. I'm not asking uh, whether there's... I'm, I'm saying... Your life is changed because you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Holy Spirit of God is in your heart. He's dwelling in you. There's a difference. Is there, let me ask you a question. Is there a witness within? When you heard the question, was there a witness within that said, Yes, yes, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of what Christ has done. My faith is rooted firmly in Christ. No, we need this reminder. Because this week I go out. Let me ask you a question. You think your faith might be challenged this week in your places of work? Going out into the world? Faith be challenged? You think you'll hear anything that might not be sound in doctrine? Boy, it's all out there, isn't it? There's all kinds of mess that's out around us. And we need to, we need to be sure. Are your feet firmly planted on the rock of Jesus Christ? Do you know that you're saved? If you're not, you're not ready. Then let me ask you a question tonight. Have you surrendered your life as a living sacrifice to the Lord Jesus Christ, holy and acceptable? Are you surrendered to Him? I didn't ask if you were perfect tonight. I asked if you were surrendered to His will, yielded to Him. Because if you're not yielded to Him, If you think your life belongs to you, you're not ready tonight. You're not ready to receive. If you you come tonight like everything else and you just, this is just another selfish, this is a time for me, this is a time for to get what I want and I don't need to even pay attention. Hey, listen, heed the warning. Heed the warning. I'm obligated tonight to warn you. This isn't something to take lightly. This is something to say, hey, listen. Am I yielded, surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ? We could just make this ritualistic and go through the motions, but I'd rather make a memory tonight. I'd rather do this in remembrance of Him tonight. And and can I share something with you? When I see the picture of the cross in my mind's eye, I don't think that's something to be flipping about. Or something, hey, listen, or something even to be religious about. Religion is cold and distant with God. You know what God wants? Jesus, keep me near the cross. Near the cross, near the cross. God, I want to be close to you. I want to be near to you that I might know you and the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your suffering. Let me ask you tonight, Christian. Maybe you could say yes, and I'm ready. I know I'm saved, but how is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you near him? Are you near? Are you close? Do you hear him? His voice, is it present in your life? You have the witness within that could answer that, that, that question, yes, I'm saved, but how about, 
Are you really surrendered to him tonight? Or perhaps you're just grown cold and distant. How many know what it's like to backslide like I do? I know what it's like. (gasps) Pastor, all of us know what that's like. We all know what that's like. It doesn't matter how often we come to church, backslide, sit in the pew, just as easy as not being in the pew. You're in your heart grows cold and you can't hear his word and you're not looking forward to his voice. Listen, when it's just about you, you're not thinking about him. Listen, I get it why sometimes people don't want to do this because we have to get our eyes off of ourselves. Look at Christ again. Is it important in every relation, relationship you have to recenter and revalue, reevaluate and remember? Why you got in that relationship to begin with? You know why marriages grow cold? Because they don't reevaluate. They don't get close. They take each other for granted. You know, your relationship with Christ, have you taken him for granted? Let me say something to you tonight. Jesus has never taken you for granted. Never. He's never taken you for granted. He is at your beckoning call. Whenever you want to talk to him, he is available to you. Let me ask you, how available are you to him? How available are you to him? Are you fully surrendered to do his will? Is it, oh God, tell me, tell me, tell me what your will for my life is because it's all about my life. How about, God, help me, help me to surrender my life to your will, to your will. It's not our will. It's not our will. Jesus said that. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Is it your will or is it God's will tonight? Is it what you want or is it what he wants? Jesus was calm. Jesus was courageous. Jesus was in control. Get this. The Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, Judas, Satan, they weren't in control that night. You know who was? Jesus was under complete control. And he knew he would suffer. He knew he would suffer. But always under control. Can I I tell you, he didn't need any help. He didn't need any help. Nobody took his life, he laid it down. He wasn't a martyr that died for his faith. He was a savior who sacrificed himself for our sins. Nobody took his life. He willingly laid it down. He set his face like a flint to the cross. And nobody could stop him. He was going. I wonder tonight, would we be so determined to run the race that's set before us, laying aside every sin and every weight tonight? Let me ask you a question. We're done. Do you have any known sin in your life right now? Do you have any known sin in your life right now? Meaning it's in your life, it's unconfessed, you know about it, you know God knows about it, but you're letting it, you're letting it ride, you're letting it go, you're not confessing it, you're not forsaking it, you're not repenting of it. Do you have any known sin in your life tonight? What do we do? Confess it. Confess it. Well, tell it to God. 
We don't have to bow our heads and close our eyes and come to the altar to do that. If you know it, if when I said that, the Holy Spirit said, oh, yes, oh, yes, here it is. Do you have any known sin? Come on, teenager. Do you have any known sin tonight? Do you have any known sin? could be as near to you as your cell phone. could be hidden somewhere in your life. Do you have any known sin in your life tonight? If you do, confess it. Forsake it. Let me share something with you. I don't know about it, but God does. Let me tell you something else. I don't want to know about it, and I'm glad that I don't have to listen to your confession. Because I'm not your mediator. Jesus is. But can I share something with you? No matter what you've done, and how shameful, and how embarrassed you are about it, He will receive you, forgive you, cleanse you, and restore you. Right now. He'll do it right now. He doesn't doesn't give us false invitations. He'll take you back right now. He'll fully embrace you as his child right now. Why don't you tell him, God, this is where I'm wrong. Let me ask you the second question. Do you have any weights in your life that need to be laid aside because they're keeping you from running the race that he set before you? You say, it's not a sin, but you're arguing with God about it because he wants you to put it down. He wants you to lay it aside. It may not be, come on, there's a lot of Christians that like to use the word grace that uh, try to talk believers into thinking that it's okay to carry weights while you run a race. All things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. Just because I can doesn't mean I should. Mature believers don't ask the question, can I? They ask the question, should I? Should I? You know, those that are looking for license just say, well, God didn't in black and white say that I couldn't. But you know what a mature believer will say? If this is going to slow me down, this is going to keep me from going all in for Jesus. This is going to keep me from running the race. Because we're in a race, aren't we? Not in competition with each other. We're cheering each other on, and so are the saints that have gone before us. But here we are in this race. Got any weights? Time to lay them aside and run, run, run. You know what this is about tonight? Leaving here, running again. Maybe we've been walking. Maybe we've been stopped. Maybe we sat on the bench. Maybe we feel disqualified because of our sin. Maybe we've just not been in the race. But I hope every person leaves here tonight as God's church running, running. Because we don't have time to waste. And Jesus is coming back. You ready to run? Are you prepared for the race? It's a shame that people will physically give themselves in preparation to a marathon or a race. And Christians spiritually won't prepare the same way. I think it's great. People that do that and would set their lives to that. But you know what? That has no eternal value. It's trophy that's just wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to be gone one day. Maybe a medal around your neck. But I tell you tonight that if you run the race that God set before you, that's forever. That's forever. It's worth giving your life to. You ready to run the race tonight? Are you prepared? Are you ready?
If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.